read that for us. So if you'd like to open up your Bibles um, at your home, in your lounge room, wherever you are, uh, at Colossians chapter 3, and uh, we'll be reading from verse 12 through to verse 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you, the word of Christ, dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God, the Father, through him. Thank you. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true and uh, that your word uh, encourages and uh, rebukes us uh, as we uh, seek to uh, live lives that are worthy of you. So we pray for your Holy Spirit to be working amongst us today, changing our minds and changing our hearts through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I've sometimes heard that uh, uh, people describe in ways that make me feel a little bit less spiritual than they are. Uh, for example... I've heard some preachers described as being specially anointed by the Holy Spirit um, or described as being someone who really moves in the Spirit. Uh, usually uh, that's done in marketing materials that they send out to people like me to get me to go to their conferences. But it's not just preachers. I remember someone speaking to me about a mutual friend on one occasion and uh, describing our friend as being someone who is very sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, as if she had some special antenna, some special connection uh, with God that uh, other Christians don't have. And that can be unsettling, can't it? And it can make us wonder if maybe we're missing out on something. Maybe we just don't have that higher spirituality that others have, uh, that uh, there's something more than what we already have in Christ. And it's that kind of temptation which <clears throat> forms the backstory for the uh, letter which the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians who were living in the little, uh, well, in the city of Colossae in uh, modern day Turkey. Now, um, from the letter, we don't know all of the details, but we can identify the key issues. Uh, it seems that the higher spirituality involved uh, two main things. Firstly, that uh, Christians, <clears throat> if we want the full uh, experience, if we want to be fully uh, <clears throat> engaged with God, that we need to uh, deny ourselves of certain things, such as food and certain drinks, and, and also do harsh things to our bodies. Uh, secondly, the higher spirituality involved receiving supernatural visions. And these two were 
we've probably connected actually. Um, for some people in the ancient world, um, denying themselves of good things and, uh, and inflicting pain on themselves was seen as a, a sort of a mechanism of humility and a pathway to receiving heavenly visions. Which, when you think about it, that's no surprise actually, is it? Because when they would do certain things to their bodies, that would actually affect their brains. And it's not what the Bible teaches about true spirituality, uh, which is why in Colossians chapter 2, Paul warned against false spirituality. But he doesn't leave it at that. He doesn't just warn us about the false spirituality and uh, not move us on from there. Uh, for in Colossians chapter 3, which I invite uh, you to have open in your Bibles, Paul now explains what it means to be truly spiritual. And it's got nothing to do with being mystical. <clears throat> and it's got everything to do with our identity and with our character. Um, let me read to you from verse 12, uh, where he says, Therefore... As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Now, what does that say about the identity of these Christians in Colossae? Well, it tells us that they are firstly chosen, that they are holy and that they are dearly loved. Now, these are descriptions which in the Old Testament are actually used to describe Israel, uh, which reflects the fact that because of Jesus, that the Christian church <coughs> is now the true Israel. But there's more to it than that, because these descriptions <coughs> are also used of Jesus. Uh, for example, in uh, Luke chapter 9 at the Transfiguration, God the Father spoke, saying of Jesus, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Um, throughout the Gospels, Jesus is referred to as being the Holy One of God. And at his baptism, the Father declared, this is my son whom I love. So chosen. Um, holy and dearly loved. That's a description of Jesus. Uh, the identity of Israel, the identity of Jesus, is now our identity. For we are the new people of God because we are now united with Christ. Which means that we are being transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, puts this well in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where he describes it like this. He says that uh, when we're non-Christians, that we have a, a veil which is covering our face. Uh, but when people turn to the Lord, the veil is lifted. The veil is taken away. And our faces then reflect God's glory. It's not that, uh, you know, we've got some sort of a spiritual glow uh, coming from our faces, far from it, but rather that by God's spirit, our character is being transformed into God's likeness. 
Now, back in uh, verses 1 to 11 of Colossians 3, uh, which we looked at here in church uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Paul spelt out two lists of five behaviours which we must now, uh, because of our new identity, put to death. Now, the the first list was uh, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, uh, evil desires and greed. Mostly things which we do with our bodies. The the second list was anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language. Things which we do with our mouths. But now, in verse 12, he lists five qualities to replace these. For having put to death the old person, we are now to be clothed as the new person, clothed with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Now, how do we know what that looks like? Well, we only need to look to God, don't we? I mean, what do you think that God is like? Uh, Some people think of God as being uh, some kind of an impersonal force who sort of uh, keeps the the universe turning over. Uh, Others uh, think of of God as being some sort of a cosmic policeman who's just ready to pounce when we do wrong. And yet, the God of the Bible, the true God, is personal and loving. Uh, One of my favourite descriptions of God is found in Psalm 145 verse 8 and and it reads like this it says that God is merciful and gracious God is slow to anger and God is abounding in steadfast love and this is a description of God that we see uh, right throughout the Old Testament it's a great description isn't it and it actually uh, reminds us of uh, Paul's list uh, here in Colossians chapter 3 Compassionate, kind, gentle, patient. You know, these are words in the Old Testament which are used to describe God, especially in terms of his relationship with Israel uh, in their times of suffering and even in the face of their sin. And it's the same with Jesus. Uh, Think about his kindness and his compassion towards those who were the crowds, those who were sick and those who were uh, spiritually lost. Uh, Although in Jesus we also see God's humility, don't we? Um, For example, the best example uh, is that uh, Jesus lowered himself and became one of us. He humbled himself and became a man, even to die for us on a cross. So how can we identify true spirituality? Now, I don't know many people who deny themselves food and drink and inflict pain on their bodies to achieve a higher spiritual experience, although I must say I do know some. But more commonly, I've been to uh, church services, and perhaps you've done so as well, where they create an experience and by hyping people up, by mood-inducing lighting and music, the power of suggestion and, well, of course people react emotionally to that. And then that is said that that is the presence of God, that the Holy Spirit has come, that is the fuller 
spiritual experience. But no, true spirituality is about living out our new identity, being clothed with the character of God. And that should be seen big time in our relationships, especially our relationships in church. Now, when you think about how God has treated you with compassion, kindness and patience, what do you think of most? What action of God expresses those qualities towards you more than anything else? Well, for me, it's hard to go past forgiveness. That all of my sin, that all of my sin over the last five decades, that all of my sin of yesterday and even of today has been paid for. It's been washed clean by the death of Jesus. And so, if we are to be like God, if we are to be clothed with the, the very character of God, then that is how we should be towards one another. We see this in verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. In church life, um, sometimes, we're going to upset one another. We're going to tread on each other's toes. We're going to possibly offend each other at times. And, And there's a good reason for that. It's because we're not perfect. But our response when that happens can actually reveal our true spirituality. For how does the unspiritual person react when someone wrongs them? Well, back in verse 8, it's anger, rage, malice, slander. That's how people react. And, And that can be very tempting, can't it? But it's not who we are now. We are now God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Which means that we should be like God in forgiving the person who has wronged us. You see, the idea of being an unforgiving Christian, it sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? It's a self-contradictory term. It's it just doesn't make sense because the only reason that we, we are a Christian is because we have been forgiven. We can forgive because we know the great forgiveness that God has given to us. But friends, the character of God is not just the new set of clothes that we wear. It's, it's deeper than, than even these things these things. Uh, Have a look at verse 15 uh, where Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Uh, Friends, I'd have to say that there is actually no higher spirituality than this. That the peace of God, the peace of Christ rather, which 
is the peace about Christ, which is the gospel itself, should be embedded in our hearts and should be ruling over our hearts, ruling our affections, ruling our will, ruling our decisions, ruling our actions, ruling who we are at the very core, should have authority over us, over what we think and and how we act. There could be no thing more spiritual than for the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. And key to that happening is that the word of Christ should dwell in us richly. Something I've noticed in churches which claim a higher spirituality is that there's a tendency to to minimise the public reading of of the scriptures uh, in their church services. And also, something I've noticed is singing for the sake of creating a spiritual experience. But in these verses, in our gatherings, the word about Christ, the gospel, is to really, really dwell in our hearts. And how does that happen? Well, it happens through two activities which uh, many of us will be very familiar with, what we're actually doing today. Firstly, it is through teaching and admonishing one another. Now, admonishing means uh, uh, rebuking and correcting one another and doing so, uh, Paul says, with with wisdom, which means with with tact. But what we see in this, in this uh, concept of teaching and admonishing, is that there is a, a positive and a negative aspect to how we teach one another, how we uh, encourage one another. It's a positive and a negative if the word of Christ is to dwell in us richly. And of course we do this on Sundays um, uh, in services like this and uh, in all of our groups which are now being mostly done via um, uh, video conferencing. But this is what we do. This is the basis of our ministry as a church, our ministry to one another. Secondly, Christ's word is to dwell in us as we sing. Now, what um, Paul meant by psalms, hymns and spiritual songs uh, may not be uh, exactly what we mean today. Um, Today in uh, this service, we have a contemporary song, we have a kid's song, and we have an older song, which the older song is one which we call a hymn, but it's not necessarily what Paul was referring to. And it's, in a sense, beside the point. The point is that Paul here covers all of the styles of his day. Because what's important is not the style, but the content, the words. Singing is great, isn't it? I love singing. I read recently that uh, researchers have discovered that people who sing for a few minutes every day are actually happier people. There's no surprises in that, is there? I could have told them that. Uh, Because in singing we express ourselves, don't we? Uh, We express ourselves in 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 song and it's a very beautiful way of expressing ourselves. Very beautiful way. So that uh, and, and we, um, we we sing uh, in order to um, encourage one another uh, in God's word. It's why we sing. And what we notice is that um, 
uh, our song leaders and our musicians, uh, they're not uh, trying to um, develop some kind of a spiritual experience for us as, as they do so. Uh, what they are doing is they're trying to keep us in tune and trying to keep us uh, on the right beat so that uh, what's truly important is congregational singing and singing truths about God. A good tune really does help to keep the words in your head, um, but what's most important is the words themselves. And that's why in our church there'll be some songs uh, which are a bit dodgy in terms of the, the songs, and we may love the tune, but we don't sing them. We don't sing them for that reason. As Paul counters the threat of the false spirituality in Colossae, uh, he urges the Colossians in verse 13, 17 that no matter what they say or do, they should do so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father. And so true spirituality is about our identity and our character. Uh, last time we thought about this in terms of the aspects of our character which we need to shed, which we need to take off, whilst today's passage challenges us about the qualities that we need to put on. But there's one quality that I haven't mentioned as yet. Did you notice what Paul says about love in verse 14? He says, Over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. What does he mean by that? Paul illustrates the Christian life as like having a new identity which requires a new set of clothes. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that uh, when I first started dating Cassie, I went to my wardrobe one day and I found that all my old clothes had been tossed in the bin, replaced with new clothes. Well, friends, I actually misled you. Uh, it wasn't after I started dating Cassie, it was after I married her. She wanted me to make that clear to you. <laughs> that with change in status, that there's a new set of clothing reflecting that new identity. And that's what Paul does. That's what he, how he illustrates the Christian life, that we have a new identity, which means a new set of character clothes. We take off the old stuff and we put on the new clothes of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. And when we know someone who is like that, how do we sum that person up? How do we describe them? Well, I think we say they're a very loving person, don't we? That kind of sums it up. We tend to say that they're loving because love is like a coat that we put on last when we're addressing ourselves with the character of God, the character of Christ. A coat's what goes over all of these things which covers all of the other virtues. And it's what people see. Christ's love in us is what they see in our character. So it's who we need to be. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we want to thank you for um, 
Christ and what he's done for us on the cross. We thank you for the new identity that we have in him. Father, help us to be people who shed the old and who put on the new. Help us as we reflect on Christ's love for us that we would be people who are full of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Enable us, Lord God, to forgive one another and to bear with one another. For we know that in that, Lord God, that people will see in us more of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.